For the sake of time, I'm going to uh, I'm going to give you the scriptures we're going to be in real quick. So first of all, turn to James chapter one. You can put a marker there. <laughs> James one. We'll be there just for a second. Um, and then what was the other one? Um, Genesis chapter six. That's where we'll start, and then we're going to end up in the very last thing is going to be Second Timothy two. Let me say those again. This is going to help because I'm going to, I'm going to try to get through this quickly for the sake of time. Um, James 1, and then Genesis 6, and then 2 Thessalonians 2, 21. And I'm going to refer to probably several other scriptures. Um, again, for the sake of time, I'm going to kind of go through this quickly. But I have something, kind of one main thought that I want to share with you. And, and um, so look at James chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 2. Really, we're just going to read uh, 2 through 4. Everybody ready? James says, Consider it all joy. By the way, in case you didn't know this, James was Jesus' brother. Like, for real. Okay? His half-brother. Okay? In case you didn't know that. So a lot, when you read the book of James, you realize that a lot of what he uh, says sounds a lot like some of the things that Jesus says. In fact, this is going to sound a lot like something that Jesus would say, mainly because Jesus did say it. Um, Consider it all joy, my brethren. And I'll just stop right there. Some of your versions say, consider it pure joy. In other words, this joy I'm talking about, it's not contrived. It's not made up. It's not fake. It, It truly is joy. Consider it pure joy, brothers, talking to believers, When you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect results, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And you might catch glimpses of kind of the foundational verse that we're using for this teaching series, Momentum Moving Forward in Faith. And that key verse for us is Philippians 1.6, and it says that, um, that I am confident of this. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, he started something in you. Yes, we get that there is a time span before that journey will be over, but he's going to be faithful through the midst of it. In this it says, consider it joy, my brothers, when you are going through life and you encounter trials, tribulations, difficulties, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. In other words, there's something that he is going to um, test to take a good hard look at and make sure it's all good for the purpose of you getting all the way to the other side. Okay? Now, I was thinking about how much, especially lately, how much I talk about trials and tribulations, how much I talk about difficult times. You guys ever get tired of it? Well, I hope not because you're always going through it. (laughs) And I was thinking about this, about how, um, how we make it through those trials, how we make it through those difficult times and um, what we have and what we don't have. And, and, but also even, well, you'll see how I get there. But here's what I hear all the time. Man, I hope that works out. You know, I'm going through this and I just hope God comes through. Um, I thought about like when we pray for people because we're, as a church, we believe in healing. We believe God still does that stuff. You know why we believe that? For one, it says it and it happens all the time. So we believe it. But sometimes we pray for somebody, we put our hands on them, we anoint them with oil, and we say, oh yes, Lord, I just hope that you will come through and you will heal this person. We say, I I hope that happens. I have even heard people say, 
um, whenever I'm talking to him, man, um, how are you with the Lord? You know, you, you, are you feel good? Are you right with God? Yeah, man. I mean, I hope, I hope I go to heaven. You, you know that old saying, hope floats? You guys, you ever heard that? Listen, that is, that is nice and that is good and that is that's beautiful and all. But the truth is, is that, that hope floats mentality. In fact, here's what it says when you look at, when you look at that um, definition. Here's what it says, like the definition of that saying. It says, Hope is what keeps us afloat in times of trouble, trials, and tribulations, suffering. When all seems overwhelming and crashing down around us, we still have hope. Sometimes, hope is the only thing that keeps us going. It keeps your head above water, so to speak. (laughs) That's a great sentiment, and there is a level of, of truth to that. But listen, hope don't float. (laughs) It doesn't matter how much you like Sandra Bullock. At the end of the day, hope doesn't float. What what I'm saying is that hope is not the same thing as faith. Paul talks about that in, in 1 Corinthians 13 when he says that there's three things that we've got to remain in. Faith, hope, and love. And of course he goes on to say the greatest of these is love. That's the love chapter. But he says there's three things that we've got to continue in, remain in, faith, hope, and love. He lays out three distinct things. And so each one of those things has its place. And you can't substitute one for another. You can't substitute love for hope, can you? Because those are two different things. Well, guess what? You can't substitute hope for faith. They're not the same thing. But the fact is, is a lot of Christians are living their life. They're trying to move forward in their lives with the hope floats mentality. But listen, and you could write that down because it's really my only point tonight. Hope won't float. Hope won't float. And I want to show you a couple things. Uh, looking at this scripture, you know, basically he's saying um, the trials and, and difficulties. I just want to replace the word trials with the word storms. Can we do that? Because essentially that's what he's talking about. He's talking about those times when our calm is interrupted with chaos. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When our calm is interrupted with chaos. Picture yourself out on a, out on a sailboat in the middle of the sea. You're going along and um, you got your sail raised and there's this gentle breeze that's just blowing and it's catching your sail at just the right speed and you're cruising along and you got whatever it is that you like to drink on, your sweet tea, your lemonade, whatever. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like it can happen on the sea, this storm moves in. How many times have you seen movies that that happens? You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, no. You know, it happens. The storm comes in out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, the water is bumpy and rough, and the wind picks up, and it's almost like the, the wind grabs your sail and starts dragging you through this bumpy, splashy water. And the, fun, the sun was shining down in your face, but now that's been replaced with darkness, and there's thunder and lightning everywhere. Am I speaking anyone's language? You ever felt that in life? Yeah, me too. He says, in those times, consider it pure joy. Just pure joy. And he's talking about an ability to have something, to stand on something, to be sure of something. He says, because what's happening is that you know that the, it is the testing of your faith. Notice he didn't say it's the testing of your hope. Notice he didn't say it's the testing of your love. He said, it's the testing of your faith. And it is going to produce perseverance. Whatever is going on right now, God is wanting to ensure that you're going to make it to the other side of the lake, the other side of the ocean. In other words, your boat is being tested for leaks. 
Because God intends to send you. And I just want to say this because I felt like this was a prophetic word to all of us. But for some of us, for sure, God wants to send you on greater journeys than you can imagine. God wants to send you to greater depths, lengths, distances, places than you. You can't even think it up. But that's what he is wanting to do. But he wants to make sure that you are going to make the journey. Does that make sense? I thought about this. Um, There's only one way that anybody in their right mind would put a boat in the water knowing that a storm is coming. There's only one way. And that's to put it in with a confidence that it's going to make it to the other side. That it will float, if you will, in the roughest of waters. We wouldn't get into the boat saying, man, I hope this thing flows. Would you? No, nobody would do that because hope ain't going to make that thing float. (laughs) What we want to know is, yes, I can be confident that every measure has been taken to ensure that this boat will float. Isn't that what we want to know? I'm stepping into this thing only because I know it's going to float. Um, Now, this is true of us. Now, I want you to listen because this is where we're going to go like this and then we'll come back around. This is true of us. That is what we would do before putting a vessel out to sea, right? We would make sure that this thing created would be able to do what it was created to do. Now, let me ask you a question. Wouldn't God do the same thing? Wouldn't God do the same thing? Turn to Genesis 6. I want to show you. Um, I want to show you something. Now, this is the story of Noah's Ark. And I, I picked the story purposely because we're familiar with it. I don't want us to have to think too much about the story. Most of us are familiar with the story. Um, and so I'm going to use it to teach just, a, just really kind of a couple things about faith. And this, what I'm going to share is really, again, this is all building. Every week is building. So this week is for, for today, for this week, but it's also building for next week. So hang with me. If you look in verse 5. Everybody there? Genesis 6. If you look at verse 5, it says that God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. Okay? It was bad. And it says that he was sorry that he had made them. I'm talking about people. And he was grieved in his heart. But look what it says in verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Some of your versions say grace. How many of your versions say Grace. In the eyes of the Lord. Some of your versions say grace. So Noah found favor or grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now what I want you to understand real quick. We'll get a little, little heady. Is that Noah is what we would call a type or a shadow. Or like a picture that points ahead of Jesus Christ. Okay we know that. Look what it says in verse 9. It says Noah was righteous. He was blameless. He walked with God. Most of us are familiar with Romans 3 where it says that there is none righteous. No, not one. And it's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the only one that is righteous. So Noah is clearly what we would call a type of Christ. So when you look at this story, when you look at this event through the lens, you have to look at it through the lens of God is trying to teach us something about his son. Would you guys agree? Because he's a type of Christ. But at this very same time, Noah is a picture of us. Or a type or shadow of who we are. We know that because God said this is the end of all flesh. The end of all flesh has come. The earth is filled with violence. You need to know that I am going to destroy them on the earth. Now that them is those who are made of flesh. Well, Noah is made of flesh, isn't he? So we know that Noah is easily included in that. But he says, make for yourself an ark in verse 14. Make for yourself an ark. So this is clearly a picture of Jesus because he was righteous. 
He was blameless, but it's also a picture of us because he was also flesh. And he himself had to be provided a way of escape, just, just like us. See, Noah was flesh. He was, um, he was a man that, um, uh, that was good, that was righteous. He, had, he was a good father. He had a peaceful home. But his home was upon the earth. And every day he was faced with the same choice that we have. I will be godly or I will be worldly. Today I will be godly or I'll be worldly. He and his family could just as easily have been wiped away with the rest of the flesh, the rest of the world. And they would have if God hadn't given them the means of surviving. What was the means of surviving? The ark. Okay, now I say that because God gave him the means of of surviving. I say that because there's a lot of people that try to take the story of Moses and because how hard and long that he and his family worked and they try to promote um, a salvation by works doctrine or theology. In other words, as long as you do a good and hard job and you do that well, you will get to heaven. But that is not the point of all those hard, difficult years of labor. The point is, is that God gave Noah the secret to salvation. He could have just said, I'm going to kill everybody. Let me know how it works out for you and the family. But he didn't. He said, I'm going to wipe away all flesh. You build an ark. That was God's idea. Amen? He let Noah in on the secret. He also gave Noah the design. He could have said, you build an ark. See you later. Noah's like, what's an ark? You know what I mean? But he didn't. He said, this is what it needs to look like. This is the way it works. This is the design. But he also gave, and think about this, and we probably have, he gave Noah the ability to work so hard for so long. I mean, he was 500 years old when he started. How many of you guys know some 500-year-olds that can build an ark like that? Not many. So the very fact that he was able to complete what he started was the power of God. It really was. It was the power of God. So this building of the boat, and, and I don't have anything on the PowerPoint tonight, but you can write some of this stuff. The building, and this is key, the building of that ark, the building of that boat is a picture of God's gift of grace. You guys see that? There's no way this could have happened unless God made it happen. Sure, Noah's part of the picture. He's a type of Christ. But this would not have happened unless God had given the ability, the idea, the design, the ability. It would not have happened. He would have drowned just like everybody else. Noah is the type of Christ. The ark is a type of salvation. I'll just show you a couple of ways that the ark is a type of salvation. One, how many vessels were there to, to, to be rescued from this? There's one. It was the ark. Amen? How many, uh, I don't know if we didn't read this part, but do you know how many doors was in the ark? So you're telling me there was only one way into that vessel of salvation. <laughs> just like there's only one way to the Father, Jesus Christ. And then maybe this is a little more obscure, but if, if you read it, it says that there was one window that you could look through, and it was, a, it was really high up on that ark, but there's only one. So it's like, if you're going to look, you know, there's only one place you can look, up. And that's just one of many things that you see as the ark as a type of salvation. But there's one in particular that I want to show you. There's one that I want to, to look at that gets me back to my point of hope don't float. Everybody say, hope don't float. I want you to imagine Noah and his family maybe eating lunch one day. They're outside the construction site and they're exhausted, but they're very satisfied. 
because they've been working a long time on this boat, building this thing, several decades to build this thing. It was just them. They didn't have contractors out there. It was just them. They're figuring out this thing along the way. And so they look over. Obviously, this is I'm being imaginative. But they're out there eating, and they got their whatever, escargot. They're eating, and they look over, and there's these two squirrels frolicking in the tree. They're like, oh, you guys know what I'm talking about. You look out, and they're squirrels. You know, they're just in the trees doing their things. Y'all like that? My boys love it. So they're looking, and all of a sudden, those, those squirrels are like, and like a tractor beam got a hold of them. They're like, and they're just walking towards the ark. You know what I mean? Male and female. Just walking towards the ark. And Ham, the youngest son, is like, dang, y'all see that? Did y'all see that? Look at that. Isn't that cool? And Sham, who's the oldest brother, which I, I, I don't know why I looked this up, but I did. I like to look at names and words. You know what Sham's name means? It means name. <laughs> Man, you're desperate, right? It's like, why are we going to name this kid? How about name? That's good. I mean, you're asking for a name. <laughs> anyway, that was his name. So, <laughs> and so Sham is like, oh, my God, that is crazy. But he looks down, and there's two scorpions that are just marching towards the ark. You know, they're scurrying towards the ark. They got the thing going, you know, and they're headed straight for the ark. And then he remembers, oh, God said this would happen. But I thought we were going to have to go get the animals. They're going to come to us. This is awesome. Dad, what do you think this is going to be like when the elephants get here and the hippos get here and the rhinos get here and the giraffes and those big old animals? Dad, do you think this thing's really going to float? And then Japheth, the, the middle son, is like, man, I sure hope so. And all of a sudden, Noah's like, whoa, 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 uh, uh, oh, oh, my gosh! We forgot something! So they're looking at this big, beautiful boat. I mean, it's awesome, right? You guys have seen, like, models or pictures of this thing. Noah remembers, because he knows, hope don't float. He's like, oh, we forgot something. There's one thing, as beautiful and grandiose as it is, there is only one thing that's going to make that thing float. What was it? The pitch. If you look at verse 14, it says, I want you to build me a boat with lots of rooms and cover it on the inside and the outside with pitch. So I want you to look at it this way. In um, Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace we have been saved through faith, and that not of our own, lest any man should boast. You guys familiar with that scripture? We have been saved by grace. So think of it this way. The ark we already have said, is a big, gigantic, whopping picture of God's grace. Amen? So if the ark is a big, whopping picture of God's grace, what is, that pic- what is the pitch a picture of? Because as good as that, as good as that uh, ship is, it ain't going to float without Pitch. In case you don't know what pitch is, pitch is this tar-like thing that you would that um, you rub all over the place, and it creates this seal, this uh, waterproof thing. Does everybody understand now? Sorry, I should have cleared, clarified that. Cover it with pitch. Cover it with tar so that it will float. So if God's, if for if the ark is this amazing boat, but it is really kind of an instrument of grace, an instrument of salvation, this boat. What is the pitch? A picture of. It's a picture of faith. Because we've been saved by grace. The only way it works is by 
faith. We've been saved by grace. God gave us the ark. And it is a good ark. And it is a right ark. It is right. But that, that ark only works when we apply the pitch. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things unseen, right? Faith is the substance. I love that because it is. It is what we apply <laughs> to this grace that leads to salvation. Now, maybe, Tony, you might be stretching it a little bit. That might be conjecture. You might just be kind of embellishing it. No, 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 no. Here's what's cool. Do you know what the Hebrew word for pitch is? It's the word kafar, K-A-P-H-A-R. This is random, but it's true. Do you know what it means? It's the same word that is used in the Old Testament for atonement. Let me say that again. What God said must be covered inside and out of this vessel that he has prescribed for the salvation of the world is atonement. That's what it needs to be covered with. That's what it needs to be lined with inside and out. And you know that word for ark actually means box. It's only used one other time. And that was for Moses' basket. You know what it says Moses' back, basket was covered with so that it float? You ever wondered, how did that thing float? It was covered with kafar, with pitch. There's always this last ingredient. You know, even though the design was intricate, detailed, powerful, this thing was huge. It took seven decades to build or more. But as good as that was, it would not work until it was covered with faith. The atonement. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. And God does that all the time. I mean, you see that all the time. There's always this little ingredient. There's always this finishing product. It's not going to work until. Think about the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the Law of Moses. It was intricate. I don't know if there's anything more intricate in the Bible than the law. It was just detailed. At the end of the day, the law, as good as it was, brought about death. But there would come a day when it would be covered with pitch, with atonement. The finishing touch. And that finishing touch happened the day that Jesus was hanging on the cross. And with his last breath, he said, it is finished. Bam, the atonement took. The blood of Jesus took. Isn't that good? This is good news, you guys. Because we have been hoping our way to heaven. Hoping your way ain't getting you nowhere. That boat don't float. Faith is the only thing that's going to make you float. Now, hope has its place. Hope is the evidence of things unseen. I can't see heaven. I hope that one day I will get there. But hoping ain't going to get you here. It is an active faith. Hope is of the future. Faith is now. Amen? But that's also true of healing. And I hope this person gets healed. Well, why not now? And we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But why not now? 
Why not move that from a I hope God comes through to God has come through according to his word. Apply faith. <laughs> We're going to get a bunch of scriptures next week. But a lot of things that we are hoping for has already been given. But they are activated, received, if you will, through faith. Now the grace, and I'll say this real quick so you don't get weird on me. The grace that we've received and the faith have been given by God. We'll talk more about that next week. God gave us both. Okay, don't think I have to muster up faith. No, he's already given it to you. He's given you the measure that you need to believe and the measure that you need to continue being sanctified and to finish the work, to see the work completed till the day of Christ Jesus. He began the good work in you and he will be faithful to complete it. Next week, we're going to talk about how he does that. And you can apply this to salvation. You can also apply this to sanctification. Sanctification is just a big church word that means the process of becoming like Jesus. You guys hear what I'm saying? Okay, so faith to believe, but faith also to continue and grow to become more like Jesus. Again, that's what we're going to share more about next week. But some of you are struggling with both. I have. Some of you are, I hope I'm saved. Are you kidding me? That is not a phrase that should ever come out of someone that has put their faith, lined their boat with pitch. Is it? If you are in hope mode, let's move that to faith mode today. Let's put your faith in Christ. Let's cover your boat. Listen, remember what I said? Nobody in their right mind, listen to me carefully, nobody in their right mind would put a vessel out to sea without first making sure that it is seaworthy and that it will get to the other side. Did you know that you, and this is my last scripture. Is <laughs> good timing? <laughs> Look what it says. In 2 Timothy, I think I told you Thessalonians, I'm sorry. 2 Timothy. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, and by cleanses himself, that means appropriates the faith, applies the blood of Jesus to their life. Okay, we don't cleanse ourselves. You guys do get that, right? But by faith, he does the work. Amen? If anyone cleanses himself from these things, anybody applies the pitch, he will be a vessel. I'm not making it up. It says it right there. He will be a vessel for honor. In other words, he will be used in a way that will glorify God. Sanctified. Useful to the master, prepared for every good work. In other words, when we apply, appropriate, believe, put our faith in Jesus, give him everything, lay down our might before him, something happens in us that gives us the ability to float no matter how difficult the storm is. No matter what comes. I don't have to say, I hope we make this, I hope we make it through the storm. We can say, we will make it through the storm because I have covered this boat, this vessel, with pitch. You guys stand with me.